Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message by our pastor, Douglas A. White. Revelation 16, we're going to be reading all the verses there, and there's 21, so enjoy standing for a few moments. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of wrath of God on the earth. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angels of the waters saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. And I heard another angel from the, or I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the power was given to him to scorch men with the fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and did not repent of their disease, their deeds. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and the water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons, performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And they gather them together to the place called in Hebrew, Armageddon. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done! And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not heard occurred, had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. The great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. Men blasphemed God because of the hail, since that plague was exceedingly great. You can be seated just now. This is a chapter about God's final wrath, about what God is going to be doing to those especially who have the mark of the beast and who worship the beast. Jeff is talking to us on um, Wednesday nights. He talked to us about cosmic geography, and that's, that is the assignment of different places of the earth 
to certain people, sir, I shouldn't say certain people, I guess I could say certain peoples, but also to the gods that are over that, the Elohim that are over that. That's cosmic geography, especially so with Israel. And this judgment that you're seeing here today is all about that. It's all about the world being taken back by its rightful owner. This is about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is about finishing off all the things. This is just like the Exodus. This is the, the last Exodus there's going to be. There are signs here that are just like it was in the Exodus. There are things that happen here that are just like it was in the Exodus. In the Exodus, it was God extracting his people from the uh, ownership or the cosmic geography of Egypt. He was fighting not only the Egyptians there, but the Egyptians' gods. It was about a fight between God and those gods. That's what this is as well. This is God's final stage in taking over the whole world for his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember what he said to his son? After, the, after his son was ascended, he said, sit here at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. That is exactly what God is doing, and this is how he completes that whole project. Everybody with me? Now, I've got this first page of the outline because I wanted to make sure everybody is on the same page with us. We all know what we're working with. When is this happening? How is it happening? What's going on? So uh, chapter 16 is about seven bowls of wrath. Now, if I can just go ahead, I'm going to set the platform up again as the the whole seven-year tribulation period. There's a beginning here. You know there's been all kinds of things that have happened from, from this point right here. There have been 144,000 evangelists. They've been leading people to Christ. They have finally seen who Jesus really is and that he really is the Messiah. And Jewish people are turning to Christ. Not only are Jewish people turning to Christ, Gentile people are turning to Christ. Many people are being saved. In Jerusalem, two witnesses are there that are verifying and confirming the work of God, that this is God's work that's happening. They're getting that all confirmed and people are believing what God is doing. In in Jerusalem, not only are people being saved, the temple has been rebuilt, and there are some offerings taking place now. You're going to say, well, why would they keep on making sin offerings? Nothing in the Scripture says they were making sin offerings. That's not the only offerings that were made. They know now that Jesus is the righteous one. They know that Jesus is their Messiah. And the offerings are going to be made can easily be thanksgiving offerings. They can be praise offerings. There are a lot of offerings you can make there, all right? But there is going to be a group that is going to be making a sacrifice there. And that's going to be important because that temple, as we move along here, there's been another one that has been from the, the, from the beginning of the tribulation, one who's been conquering and conquering. This is the one we're going to know as the Antichrist. That's not what they're going to know him as. Anti means in the place of. This is going to be the one that is the, the substitute for Christ. He's going to do things that are going to make him look like he is the Jewish Messiah. That's what it's all about, guys. He's making himself a substitute for the real Christ. He's going to do things that make him look very Christ. He's got miracles he's going to do. He's got conquering he's going to do. Messiah was supposed to conquer the world, and he's going to do that conquering. He's got all kinds of things that he's been doing. He's got a prophet that's going before him, declaring that he is this great and awesome one. And then you've got 
now when he comes here to the middle of the tribulation, where he's now moved in, he's come into Jerusalem, he now comes to the place of the throne of God in Jerusalem and takes his seat there. As he takes his seat there, he declares that he is God. Now, that is an abomination to Almighty God. But to the people who've been living through that and who've been watching all these things taking place, they're believing he really is God. Why? Because he was wounded, he was killed, and was brought back to life again. Why? Because the prophet made his image even speak. Everything looks like it is the Christ. So a great delusion is going on, and people are believing this delusion. Everybody see what we're saying? So that gives him authority then and gives him lots of teamwork together to want to slaughter everybody who's been a believer in Jesus Christ. So there's going to be a tremendous persecution take place. All right, so the, what we're reading today is taking place after the middle of the tribulation. It's taking place after this thing called the abomination of desolation. Now, let me see if I can make something because I'm not sure that phrase means a whole lot to us. Here's what it means. Some abomination that is so abominable to God that it brings desolation to everything. It is so abominable to God that he now brings desolation on the whole earth. That's why it's called the abomination that leads to desolation. It's the abomination that brings the desolation. Everybody follow where I'm at? So after he has sat there and he has declared himself to be God in heaven... There is a war that's taking place. And in heaven, that war is taking place has Satan kicked out. Satan is now enraged, and he comes down and takes his position in this image, in this being, this Antichrist. And he's enraged. He tries to get Israel. But if you remember, Israel was told, get out of there. When you see this abomination take place, get out of Israel. Don't, don't wait around. Don't look to see if anybody else is packing. Don't pack anything yourself. Just pray that it's not during the winter because it'll be hard to go. Just pray that you're not pregnant or nursing during that time. It's going to make it hard, but you've got to get out. Don't wait around. And Israel is being taken out of there and being taken to a place where for the next 1,260 days she's taken care of. Why 1,260 days? This is the middle of the tribulation. That's three and a half years into a seven-year tribulation. So we have now 1,260 days left to the end of that tribulation. Everybody with me? So she's going to be taken care of during that 1,260 days. It is also the time where that what is called the Great Tribulation is taking place, and it is just prior to the second coming of Christ. It's after God has given men ample time and opportunity to repent. Now, there's one other thing I want to remind you of in this setting. When we had the sixth seal that took place, that's right about in here someplace where the sixth seal was open. Do you remember what happened? All the stars fell. All kinds of uh, disruptions were there. And then the sky was rolled back like a scroll. So now they are seeing into heaven. That never rolled back up again. So what you have are all the people that are here on the earth are able to see some of the things that you see from the book of John or from the book of Revelation that John's giving to us. They are seeing all that. I just want to remind you that there's all kinds of things have been going on here that's been desolation to them. 
There's a lot of things that have happened that have really been a struggle. War is every place. People are fighting wars all the time. Talk about dystopian. This is a dystopian world. People are suffering greatly. But after that abomination of desolation, things are going to really pick up rapidly. And here after the adversary, the Satan has now occupied all this space with the, the uh, Antichrist, he's going to begin even more. Revelation chapter 12 told us that even more now he is going to go after anyone who's believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, don't take my word for it. Let's go back to Revelation 12 just a minute. I've, I've done a lot of talking here without a lot of Scripture to back all that up. I'm just Let's go to Revelation 12. <clears throat> let's pick up with verse 13 and go to the end. Now, when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. Well, that woman who gave birth to a male child is Israel, okay? But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time, that's one year, a times, two years, well, that's three now, and a half time, three and a half years from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So since he couldn't kill the inhabitants of Israel, he's now going after all those Gentiles who trusted in Jesus Christ. So a great persecution is about to unfold. So if you start to get the picture... He's killing a lot of people at this point. He's pursuing people all over, and death is going on. Now, that's after we've had waters that have been turned bitter, so there's not, not much relief from those waters at all. That's after we've had all kinds of things be done with people getting stung by some kind of locust-like creature for five and a half months. All of that has been going on, and now we're adding this to it. It is to that that this 16 is, is set, okay? So let's, get, let's see what this chapter 16 involves. It involves seven temple angels using plagues they possess and bowls of wrath given to them by one of the four living creatures. So <clears throat> I was interested in this. This was back in chapter 15. So let's look at chapter 15 just a moment. <clears throat> Verse 5, it says, After these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. And out of the temple came seven angels, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, and having their chests girded with, with golden bands. That's who's been given these bowls of wrath. And I want you to notice something. These seven temple angels possess plagues. And it calls them the plagues. Because these are the angels who put the plagues on Egypt during the time of the Exodus. These are the ones who already had the plagues, and they, they gave the plagues to Egypt. They, this, they've been involved with this before. They are members of the divine council. They are part of the holy temple angels, those that are in the headquarters of Almighty God. 
Going on further. The bowls of wrath come from full cups of iniquity remembered by God from unrepentant people. What we were trying to demonstrate for you last week when we spoke of uh, Abraham and God telling Abraham how long it would be for his uh, descendants would be coming back into this land, he told him that they cannot come back for 400 years. Because of those 400 years, the cup of the iniquities of the Amorites is not yet full. What God does, he takes the uh, uh, nations, iniquities, a people's iniquities. He, he soars them up. When that cup is full, God pours out the cup back on them again. And that winds up being now cups of wrath. What he's saved up here is all the, the iniquities of the peoples from the past, peoples from that day right there who had refused to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and had, in fact, gone on to uh, worship the beast. Their iniquities are full, and he's about to pour that out. So the living beings bring to those seven angels seven bowls. They already have plagues, and they're about to take the plagues and the wrath and dump them out. Matter of fact, the, the word pour, we sometimes are like, I'm, I'm pouring myself a glass of water. That's just slow, so I make sure that I get all of it. That's not what this word, the word that's used here, uses the word dump. They're not, he's not gently pouring this thing out. Those cups, those saucers are being dumped out. All of it's coming down at one time, and it's one right after the other. This is not one, let's wait and see what happens. This is one after another. These are happening rapidly. They are building up to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, all right? So uh, let's do a little bit more with that. The recipients of the wrath are those people who have received the mark of the beast and who worship him. The wrath is dumped out on anything that will affect life on earth. So pick up, if you would, verse 2 of chapter 16. So the first went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and a foul, loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. Notice, it's not everybody. Not everybody that's on the earth is getting that. The people who don't have the mark of the beast are not getting that. It's just those that have the mark of the beast. Now, the words that are used here um, would refer to a, a sore, an ulcer that is oozing and hurting all the time. It's an open wound that is oozing and hurting. All right? Now, that's, that's what these people are enduring at this time. So uh, as, as you get a chance to think that one through, we'll, we'll work on that on the next page. At the same time that's going on, the devil is making war against all who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ, according to Revelation 12, 17. People without the mark of the beast are giving shelter, comfort, food, and visits to those fleeing from the devil. That's from Matthew 25, 31 to 40. Now look, those that are in the immediate vicinity of Satan, of, of the beast, I should say, are getting the mark right away. But there's a whole lot of world out there, and there are people that have been running from this conquest, been running from all kinds of things, and not everybody's been receiving the mark. Not everybody's getting it. You just, logistically, you just can't get that done. So they're pursuing all these people to give them the mark of the beast, but there are people who say, wait a minute, I, I don't think I want that mark. I, I don't understand what this is about. I, they haven't yet committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, but they're not going to commit to the beast. 
Everybody follow where I'm coming from? So you've got some of those that are in between. You have those who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ who have the mark of God on them, and they are definitely not committed to the beast. They are committed only to Christ, and they're the ones that are being persecuted right away. Now, those who yet have that, who have, have not made a good, clear decision, are receiving those fleeing Christians into their home. They're taking care of them. They're visiting them in jail. They're taking care of them. That's what Matthew 25 is about when it says, Inasmuch as you did it to the least of these, you've done it to me. That's the context for what that's about. The second coming is on its way. So in this period of time, when you've got Christians fleeing to get away from the death of the beast, you have people receiving them in their home and taking care of them, much like uh, Corey Ten Boom and her family did to uh, Jews who were fleeing in the, the Holocaust time. Everybody with me? That's what he's rewarding at the end there when he says, as much you did it to the least of these, you've done it to me, enter into the kingdom. All right. We pick up the next thing here. With the water poisoned, the sun scorching, the killing that is going on all over, life is truly dystopian with no place for comfort. If you remember, one of the seals much of the, at least a third of all vegetation was burned up. At least a third of all vegetation's gone. So you've got to be careful where you're running to hide from. You've got to be able to find some place to eat, some place to find food, some place to find shelter, some place to hide in. And that's becoming harder and harder all the time. It's a dystopian world. <clears throat> the temple is filled with smoke from the glory of God, and no one can enter in until his wrath has ended. That was what we found at the end of chapter 15, verse 8. The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Why would people enter the temple in the first place? To make intercession for the other people. That's what you go into the temple for is to make intercession. You're going in to ask God to have mercy. The smoke is now filled it up so that there is no mercy to be given. No one can get in there to make any sort of intercession at all. God is saying, I'm done. I'm finished. This is what's going to be taking place. The wrath I'm pouring out right now, I will not have intercession for. I will not have mercy for it. I've been providing mercy for thousands of years, and they're still openly rejecting me. I've given them pain and sorrow, and they're still openly rejecting me. All right. And then let's, let's get this uh, last one here. From the time of the sixth seal, heaven has been open to view on earth. Earthlings have seen these angels carrying out their roles devastation abounds. Can you imagine now you're on earth and you're looking up to heaven and you're seeing these angels dump this stuff and you know it's hitting on this earth, the place that you live. There's no place to run or hide. You're having struggles with everything that's going on and now this is taking place. So let's go to page number two. Let's work our way through this one. The bowls are dumped out. As it says in, number two, in verse 2, So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul, loathsome sore came upon men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. 
whatever they have in this plague that they have, whatever that first angel had, it was like the, was the, the sixth plague. I think the sixth plague of the, the ten that were done in Egypt. That was loathsome boils and sores so that it was oozing and hurting all the time. If you've ever had a, a boil or a sore like that, you know the pain that's in them. Feature that all over your body. Well, let me give you an example. Job had that. Then Lazarus and the rich man. Lazarus had sores that the dogs licked, and he laid outside the gate. That's the kind of sores that were on these people. There wasn't a salve to take care of it. There wasn't a comfort. Well, all you could do was just scrape off some of the dead skin and hope to get some kind of healing. That's what's happening with them. And it's only those that have the mark of the beast who worship the image of the beast. They notice that she, this, this angel was able to pour that out on the earth. So your blank that you need to fill there was, it's, it was poured out on the earth. Notice the second bowl, verse 3. Then the sec- second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man. And every living creature in the sea died. Now, one of the things that I started noticing as we went through here, as we've been, matter of fact, all the way through the book of Revelation and now with this especially, is the massive control that angels have on the atmosphere and the conditions here on this earth. They are the ones who hold winds. Remember that that they were told they were to hold the winds back? They have control of the winds. If you remember the adversary, Satan, when he was wanting to get on to Job, he created a tornado. He brought a tornado onto the people then. They have major control of a lot of the environmental things that go on in this, this planet. They move the winds. They move the, uh, the well, waters. Matter of fact, there's, there's going to be an angel here in just a minute. We're going to see was the angel of the waters. It must have been, that was that angel's specific control area was of the waters of the planet. All right. I just, that's just a, a note I wanted to give to you. But let's take a look at this. It's poured out onto the sea. And that sea became as blood of a dead man. Now, blood of a dead man means that the sea turns to coagulated jelly-like blood that robs all the oxygen from the water, killing everything that has life in the sea. That's 70% of the earth's surface is becoming a jelly-like substance. You've got to know, kids, that as things are dying there, that's not smelling very good. And life is now being extinguished. Nothing's going to be living in the sea at all. Remember already a third of it had become like uh, uh, blood earlier. That was a third of it. This is all of it tremendous amount. Why? Now, anyone that was left traveling on that sea is now in big trouble. Your sea is not sea anymore. It's coagulated jelly-like blood. All right. Second bowl. Let's go, please, to the third bowl. The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. They have shed the blood of the the saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. So let's back up and take a look at this. 
What are they doing? This, this third bowl is dumped on the fresh water and springs. The fresh water and springs. The fresh water becomes blood. All drinking and usable water is poisoned. This is just like what happened at the Nile in the days of the Exodus. Same kind of thing that happened in the Nile. You don't have, you know, uh, water is life. You really need water to live. And this water is being cut off from them. All they have now to drink is blood. That's horrible. He is cutting off everything on this planet that would give them any sort of nourishment, any sort of health. So get the picture. They are filled with sores. There is persecution going on every place, and people are dying from the persecution. People are running and hiding and can't find real places to run and hide. They're trying to get away from this mess. And and you don't know who to trust. You don't know who you can trust. It's a completely dystopian world. And now all their fresh water is gone. Now notice it says here uh, in verse 5, And I heard the angel of the waters saying, So there is an angel that is in charge of the waters. There's an angel that's in charge of making sure there's fresh water. Now look, here's what you're going to have. If all of the sea is now turned into coagulated blood, it's just this jelly-like substance, there won't be any evaporation so there can't be any rain to follow. Everybody see where we're coming from? So with no evaporation and no way for that water to get out and come across the land again, you're not going to have rain falling. So that might have been a chance for some fresh water. That is gone. So what you have now are the waters turning into blood. Someone has rightly said, wait a minute. They could wait for the snows to melt because the snow didn't turn to blood, just the waters turned to blood. Well, that's coming up in a minute. We'll take, we'll take a look at that. That is correct, all right? If, if they melt, but when they melt, they are now water. And what's going to happen to it when it melts? It's going to become blood. So you're still getting blood back again. That's going to come up when we start looking at the river Euphrates, all right? But let's, let's get this one for now. Because of what God is doing, you know, the question is going to come up, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Now, once you get the picture, back in Jerusalem, back in the kingdom of the adversary, he's still doing miracles and false wonders, making people believe that he really is the Christ. Now, they're looking up at heaven and they're seeing all this poured out. Who really is God? Who really does own the heavens and the earth? Who really does own the waters? Now they're knowing for sure Antichrist is not true, and this is true. This is the one who owns. He has the authority over the sea. Antichrist can't turn the sea to coagulated blood. Antichrist can't turn the fresh water into the blood that is there. Antichrist can't do the things. That's why his are called false miracles, false signs, not because they didn't happen, but because they're deceptive. They're deceptive. That's what makes them false, all right? So let's go on a little further. As if life was not bad enough, let's pick up, no, I should say also verse 7. I heard another from the altar saying, even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Go with me back to uh, Revelation chapter 6 a moment, would you? Revelation chapter 6. Verse 
Let's pick up at verse 9. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God, for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. So get the picture. What was under the altar? The souls of those who'd been martyred. What were they crying out for? How long before you avenge us? And now from that same altar, now get this, that's, this is the altar in the holy place. So this is not an altar of sacrifice for sins. This is the altar upon which prayers are offered. So from that altar is coming a voice which says, even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. They had earlier prayed how long before you avenge us, and now they're seeing all the dumpings going on, and they're saying, oh, wow, this is, that's true and righteous judgments. I get why you did it. They caused our blood to run on all the land. They caused our blood to be dumped out. Now you're giving them blood to drink. I see that you're righteous and true. Righteous and true are your judgments. Everybody follow that? So it's these very same saints who are crying out to him, yes, you have avenged us. We see what you're doing. All right. Go on further with it. <clears throat> Number 10. Oh, I'm sorry, verse 8. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God, and who has power over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. You know, the sun has been something that people have worshipped all along. Uh, it seemed like every group of people, because the sun is obviously a very important light in the sky, they have worshipped it. And God has told people, don't worship the sun or the moon or the host of heaven. Don't do that. But people have done it anyway. So it's going to be this very thing that they have worshipped that is going to be their judgment. Everybody see where we're at? It's going to be their judgment. Now, um, you know, until I got into ham radio... I really didn't pay much attention to the sun. I know that it's not a fun deal to stay out in it a long time. It does do some things that can hurt you a little bit. I, I know those kind of things. I know it comes up and it goes down. And I started a, a few years ago noticing here at Berean Christian School, uh, Edgemont Bible Church, the different positions the sun was in all throughout the year. You know, we could watch it comes up over here, and then it's here, and then it's here, and it's over here, and then it's back this way again. So I started paying a little bit of attention to the sun. But after I got into ham radio, I discovered there's a whole lot going on with the sun that I had no idea about. Those sunspots are kind of important. Those sunspots make a big difference about what happens here on this planet. Those sunspots and the ejections that come from those sunspots are what makes the northern lights. And we're in part of the 11-year cycle that the sun goes through in which it reverses its magnetic poles. And during that time, it creates a lot of very powerful sunspots. Right now, there's a sunspot that is about the size of a planet that is pointed right at the earth. And there, the, right now, there's, there's a whole lot of speculation about what's going to happen with that one. 
when those ejections come off of there, they come off in what they call A, B, or C storms. Most of those are magnetic storms that affect, um, well, especially the, the, the northern lights, but it also affects, it's knocked out some satellites. Some of the satellites that are over us, some of it has knocked out the satellites. But it does confuse radio signals. But the ones they're looking at now are not called A, B, or C. They're looking at one now that's called an X storm. And it could do a whole lot more than that. I can only imagine what this one's going to be like, what this plague right here, when the sun is heating up to the point that the ejections that come from it now are scorching people. It's bad to get a sunburn. Now, let me remind you this. What do these people already have on their bodies? They have sores that are oozing and dripping and running. Now the sun is going to add to that So if I had a spot on my skin that wasn't oozing and dripping, it's now burned with an intense sunburn. As you listen to this, then the fourth angel poured his bowl on the sun, and as you come down to verse 9, and men were scorched with great heat, and they turned and said, man, we're doing the wrong stuff. We better change our mind about this. Listen to what it says. They blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues. Rather than ask for mercy, they just go ahead and blaspheme him. And they did not repent and give him glory. They knew where it was coming from and are not going to do it. No, they are stubborn. Now they are burning. They are, I mean, now they are scorched. They've got sores all over their body. Let's go on to verse, nine, verse 10. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness. They gnawed their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. This one has been dumped out on them. That's just like it was with the ninth plague. Now there's great darkness that's over everything. And then this, this darkness is such they can't find their way around. Now think if you would, please. Here they've got scorched skin. They have diseased skin that's just hurting them something fierce. And it says that the darkness now, that must have brought some kind of pain with it too. Because with it, it said they gnawed their tongues for the pain. That is... They were screaming so much, their whole mouth is so full of their tongue, they're chewing their tongue, trying to find some kind of relief for the pain that they're feeling. Yet, with all of that, they did not repent of their deeds. How tired do you suppose these people are becoming? You're having all that going on. How tired do you suppose you're going to be from that? How exhausted do you suppose you're going to be? Well, all you have to do is just go get another cold drink of water. Maybe you'll be okay. No, the water is blood. You're not getting a cold drink of water. There's not going to be any rain. There's not going to be any relief. You're scorching. It's hot. Then the darkness is there. Going on to verse 12. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Now stop just for a moment. What are all the waters full of now? Blood. And right now, it's drying up the blood. So what you're going to have now is just this dried blood riverbed. And it's making the way so that the kings of the east now can make it to Jerusalem. 
everybody's on their way to Jerusalem. Why? Because God is inviting all the nations to his party. He has invited now all the creatures that are left alive. He's invited all the birds who are alive. He's invited everything. Come to Jerusalem. Come to Jerusalem. Come into the valley of Armageddon because that's where I'm bringing this great battle. So now kings all over the place have hooks in their jaws. They're being drawn to this place. They're being invited to this very uh, dangerous battle that's about to come. It says, I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the fall prophet. That reminds us once again of the second plague where the plague was full of frogs. And it says that they came out of the mouth of the false prophet and the beast and the dragon. And they are the spirits of demons performing signs. And it's these demons who go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God. it's, It's just amazing to me. How deluded do you have to be? How far down the road do you have to be? How insane do you have to be that now these demon spirits are coming and say, hey, guys, come on over. We're going to have a battle over here. You are scorched skin. You are full of sores. You are gnawing your tongue because of the fierce darkness that's going on, and you still have enough... uh, insanity to want to come to the war? You don't have a choice, kids. Joel chapter 3, he'd already said, I'm drawing you into the valley of decision. You divided up my people. You divided up my land. I'm drawing you into that place for that final battle. So he's drawing them into Armageddon, kids. That's where he's going to have this final battle. And they really haven't got much choice. They're coming. But they're still blaspheming God. They're still not repenting of their deeds. But they're on their way to this great last battle. The Lord gives this, there's a little aside there in verse 15 that says, Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garment, lest he walk naked, and lest that he, they see his shame. That's John writing to the people who are still back here before the tribulation, before any of this is taking place. The Lord is coming quickly, and he's coming with like a thief in the night. Stay clothed. He's warning people, you got to keep believing. Keep trusting. Because here's what's happened to people who don't. This is what happened to people who got deluded, who followed this whole delusion, and they started following the Antichrist instead of the Christ. And this is what's happening to them. Verse 16, and they gathered together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon, then the seventh bowl. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and the Lord, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, it is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided into three parts. The cities of the nations fell, and the great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found, and great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. 
men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since the plague was exceedingly great. This is the last one. This is the one he's saying it's done. Who's going to survive that one? Anyone that survives that one is going to die at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Does God say this so he can just scare people? God says this so he can tell people, trust Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. This is what's coming. This is what's going to happen to those who reject my offer of grace, my offer of forgiveness, my offer of renewal, my offer of the kingdom. I am offering you everything. Don't go the other way. Yet they do. That last one is going to level everything. All the earth is broken apart now. There's no island left any place. That all crumbles into the sea. It's all done. A great earthquake has taken place there that has finished off a lot of things. But there's still one thing to go. And that's Babylon herself. Babylon herself. So next week, we'll look at that. But for this week, let's know this. God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. God's giving us advance warning. You, as I've told you before, you are a blessed people. You are reading what God Almighty, the Creator, says He is going to do prior to it happening. You are a highly informed people. You are blessed people. Now is a great time to tell your friends because you're seeing the terror of the Lord. And now is a great time to persuade your friends, turn from any other nonsense and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for hope, for life, for faith, for trust, for love, for the way you have spoken to us in, in very plain words, Father. We ask in the name of Jesus, no one will leave this place this day without knowing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Please, Father, save souls. Let not any of our children perish, Father. Let not any of them be torn aside by the lies of the adversary. Please, Father, in Jesus' name, bring people to salvation. For Christ's sake, amen. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message by Pastor White. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's edgemontbiblechurch, all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live.